It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into to Brainerd Outdoors this week. A little something special for you. I don't know how much fishing is being done this past week. So I thought we've got uh, the archery deer season underway as we speak right now and the gun season not too far to follow. So we'll label this the deer show for this week. Brent Beimer will get us ready for the rut, which is almost here. We'll get the status on our deer population and new regulations from Eric Thorson from the DNR. Dr. Michelle Karstensen with the DNR will drop by to talk extensively about the CWD testing that will be done here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our uh, field report brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Keep your garage space clear this winter and store your boat at Oars and Mine in Crosby. Their facility is a four-season destination for all the toys that don't fit in your garage. That's Oars and Mine located on Highway 6 in Crosby. We bring in Brent Beimert with Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. Uh, Brent, here we are. Things uh, We had a little wind. That pretty much took care of some of the leaves, so you're able to see a little bit more out in the woods and uh, dropped a lot of acorns, I would think. Yeah, I'm sure there ain't too many white oak acorns left on the trees after that. Um, you know, when I went out, it wasn't terrible, but as I was sitting there, it got very bad and very windy. I actually had to crawl out of my tree and get into a different one. So uh, what I can't believe is how the leaves can still hold on through something like that. It's crazy. <laughs> but there was a lot of leaves falling, so it is getting thinner. The story you told me off air I thought was amazing because uh, you kind of escaped a bit of a disaster. I did. Um you know, that wind came up, and the more I sat there, my tree started circling, and then I actually watched a tree fall down in the woods not far away from me, and the tree next to me was dead, and I heard it pop, and I'm like, I got to get down. So I climbed down, I ran to a ground, or not a ground blind, but a ladder stand that I've had up forever on a big solid tree, and edge of a food plot, so I went to that, and the top of that dead tree uh, actually fell, landed on my stand, um, so I was happy not to be in it at that point. So now I got a bunch of stuff to clean off that tree stand. Didn't look like it hurt it, but, uh, I got pretty lucky, uh, by, by getting out of it. Somebody was watching over me, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, so what's been happening? I mean, talking to hunters and stuff since last time we talked to you, we were kind of into the early stages of the bow season and sometimes things don't get going until we get into October a little bit. Uh, talking to any happy hunters, some things been happening? Yeah, they've been shooting some deer. You know, we got some extra tags. Uh, guys have uh, been putting some meat in the freezer anyway, getting some does out of the way. Uh, it's been pretty good. I haven't heard of any uh, real big ones being being harvested yet, but um, guys seem to be pretty happy in seeing some deer, you know. The weather's just been a little bit goofy. It has been cool, so it's nicer to be sitting in a tree versus 80 degrees, but um, you know, the winds and the rains and, the you know, it's just inconsistent that way, but, uh, seems like the deer have been moving a little bit. Guys have, uh, guys have been 
uh, needing some new broadheads anyway. And things are going to start to change here, Brent, here in the next uh, couple of weeks as we get closer to uh, rut. I've actually been seeing some bucks kind of on their own now. I don't know if they're rutting yet or even that pre-rut, but I think they're starting to get pretty close, huh? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of sparring and stuff on the little bucks. Um, They're going to break up. They're going to start finding their own homes. Uh, The bachelor groups will, will, uh, you know, they'll disperse and they'll be on their own. And and, um, it's getting closer. Things are starting to shape up, you know. It's October, so... Uh, we like this month, and we like next month, so it's all coming around. So what do hunters want to do now, Brent? Because the last time we talked to you, early season, you mentioned getting the acorns because they were starting to fall, um, getting your water sources and stuff. Is it getting now to maybe hunters want to get a little bit further back into the woods, or they still want to hit where those acorns are, or if they've got food plots and obviously water sources as well? Yeah, you know, you just got to be careful getting into the woods where, you know, you don't want to start bumping things around too much. Um, the acorns are still on the ground if they, you know, if you got a lot of oaks. Um, and then key on your food sources. I'm watching, like right now, they're really hammering my radishes. They're in those radish plots like crazy. They're laying off the brown beans. You know, they're moving over to some of the radishes and different things that I have planted. Um, so they're still going to be in the acorns if they have them. And then just key in on those food sources and and uh, just don't get too far into the bedrooms yet to, you know, bump things or do things wrong there. Uh, be selective with that. Um, and just pay attention where your deer are coming in and out of and, and then start to move in a little bit later. So obviously your cover sense are still going to be your best friend, um, but it's going to turn here in a little bit where your attractor sense are going to start to come into play. Yep. We, um, we actually got our Mrs. Dopey's landmines in. And it is time right now to get those landmines in the ground, get it under a licking branch, start a mock scrape, uh, get those deer sniffing around that. Uh, they are they are rubbing licking branches now. Um, I've seen a couple scrapes pop up. You know that usually happens when you got a buck, you know, a few bucks running around. They'll start to paw the ground and scrape the ground, and uh, they don't. You know, a little early. I wouldn't put too much into that, but. Um, I would get the landmine set. It's a good place to get a camera over it. Deer will visit it, so they work really good. We we do a lot of landmines. It's from Mrs. Dopey's, and and uh, you can make your own scrape. And maybe one more time, Brent, we'll have you uh, mention what those are because we have listeners that come and go. Maybe some new listeners of the show, and maybe some new deer hunters that are trying it for the first time. When you mention landmines and putting them in the ground, you don't take it literally, right? Yeah, right, yeah. It's not the ones that you pull the pin on. Right. Uh, <laughs> these ones are, they come in a four-ounce bottle, I believe it is. It comes with a big wick that's attached to the bottle, and you actually bury that in the ground. You dig a hole, you bury it in, you clean your leaves away, make like a, a mock scrape, and then uh, you bury it in the ground, you pull that wick out, and then your scent is always always there. It just keeps permeating out of the bottle and through the wick, and it's there for the whole month prior you know if it um I, i've had deer rip them out of the ground paw them up i mean they they really work i mean we got guys that buy you know six eight ten of them for their properties and and um they uh they swear by them i mean it is a really good product as far as uh deer urine goes because there's a lot of it out there that yeah, you know, it's not so good and you mentioned it lasts about a month does weather play into it brent if we get like a stretch of rain or something like that can that cause it to maybe not last as long 
Yeah, you know, if you if you dug it in a mud puddle and, and put it down, of course you can uh, fill that bottle up with a lot of water and dilute it out. The more rains we get, the, the worse it is for it. But, um, you know, that's where if something like that happens, you may just have to dig it out and put a new one in. Um, I've, I've had it happen where, you know, the scrape had always – I put it in a place where they always scrape. They got a pretty good hole dug in already, or or whichever, and, and then all of a sudden it filled up with water. And you know that doesn't help it, but it's a chance we take. We can't uh, predict what's going to come down in rain, but I'll tell you what it uh, it keeps that urine around there, and it just keeps them coming back to that licking branch. For so when you want to when you want to harvest them towards the rut, they're already accustomed to coming to that certain spot. So you're pretty well stocked on the landmines then. Yeah. Yep. We got quite a few in. Uh, there you go, Brent Beimert, Beimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Once again, you can check him out just west of Brainerd Baxter on Highway 210. He's also all over social media as well. Brent, I appreciate it. Good luck out in the woods, and uh, we'll check in real soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Eric Thorson, big game program leader with the Minnesota DNR, and he'll weigh in on some of the new regulations and the status of our deer population here in Minnesota when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And obviously we've been talking a lot of fishing on the show, but we are not that far away from deer hunting. So I thought we'd bring in Eric Thorson. Eric is the acting big game program leader with the Minnesota DNR to talk a little deer hunting with us. How you doing, Eric? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. I know you're getting to be uh, kind of the busy season for you. And uh, like I said in the open, it's hard to believe that deer season's right around the corner. Yes, you know, a lot of people are, are checking their, their trail cameras and, and starting to think about uh, their fall hunting plans um, this time of year. And our regulation handbook just came out with announcing our deer season. So um, it's time to start thinking about fall and, and all the deer season opportunities that we have here in Minnesota. Yeah, and we're going to talk, uh, give you an idea of what we're going to talk to Eric about today. We're going to get into some of the uh, special hunts that are going on, also some, some of the issues that are lingering with CWD that may affect us as we head into the season, as well as uh, some chances for you to put your input on how uh, management of deer is, is done here in Minnesota. But I guess first off, Eric, we'll talk about some of the regulation changes, and we'll start, we'll get into the, the whole state, but we'll get start right here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Anything change? Yeah, um, you know, certainly we continue to see deer populations recover. I know we had a, a bit more winter last year, especially, you know, a fairly prolonged winter into the spring, but um, we don't think it had a whole um, large effect on the, on the deer population, so we're continuing to kind of liberalize the deer hunting regulations and, and allowing, um, you know, more bonus permits to be used to try to control populations. Um, and so in the Brainerd Lakes area, a number of the permit areas in that region seem to be at our population goals or, or, or slightly above, um, and so we're trying to bring um, deer populations down a bit uh, through hunter harvest um, so there is more opportunities available for for deer hunters in in that region um, this coming fall and i don't have it in front of me but here in the brainerd area there are a couple of different zones is is everything hunter's choice here is it either or um it there's quite a variety it goes from um you know lottery you know not too far from from brainerd to the north and and east uh, but a lot of hunter's choice areas which are um, either sex deer are allowed Um, you don't need to apply in the lottery for an analyst permit um, but also there's some uh, managed permit areas um, where it's a two-deer bag limit and also even some intensive permit areas where there's a three-deer bag limit where the deer populations are, are above goal. So we're right about, you know, you kind of thinking here and we're, we're doing okay. And, and I, I think some people are kind of wondering how you guys go about determining what 
that area is going to go and, and how you're going to you know set the regulations for it. What goes into making that decision, Eric? Um, first of all, we start with our population goals that were set, and we had a large goal setting effort um, in central Minnesota in, in 2015. You know where we had um, stakeholders um, met and, and discussed about you know where they want the deer population to go um, relative to the current population. You know we took public input and set those new population goals on a on a deer permit area basis, and so we're trying to to get close to those um, deer population numbers. Um, for each deer permit area um, across the state, and uh, and so we use that information um, as well as our hunter harvested information. So we have mandatory registration in the state. So you know every hunter needs to re- report the deer that they harvest, and that's a really important piece of information that we put into our population model. In addition to the winter severity, which is the other main driver of deer populations here in in northern Minnesota. So when we have severe winters, we have more deer mortality, um, and so that's all factored into our population model, um, and that uh, generates a, a deer estimate um, in the spring. So a pre-fawn estimate. Um, so wildlife managers meet and, and um, look at that number and see where it is relative to goal, um, take in a- anecdotal information, what they heard from hunters, what they're hearing from farmers, landowners, that type of thing, um, and then set the, the management designation to, to try to move that population towards goal. Um, and so generally, we're more restrictive with uh, regulations when we want to grow the white-tailed deer population in a particular area and more liberal when we try to, want to try to reduce it towards goal. Oh, and we are still doing uh, some CWD testing here in Crow Wing County? That's correct. It's going to be a, a, a more focused effort. Um, you know, we did have uh, that uh, game farm positive um, CWD farm in Crow Wing County, and so we had a large um, surveillance effort testing hunter harvested deer last fall. Um, this year we'll be just testing deer in permit areas 242 and 247, um, kind of the immediate vicinity around that, that game farm. And uh, and that will be required of, of firearms hunters um, that take deer the first two days of the of the regular firearm season. Had great support and participation from hunters, especially in, in north central Minnesota. You know, deer hunting is really important tradition to them, and they want to keep our wild deer healthy. And so they were very supportive. I know I worked at the check station in Motley, you know, just to the west of Brainerd there, and you know had uh, very patient hunters, and and they brought their deer in, and and were very interested and concerned about the disease. And and we got uh, all negative test results um, in the area from from last year, so that's good news. But the disease these does take a while to incubate, so that's why we're planning at least two more years of testing, um, but um, um, good news initially. So there you have it here in the uh, immediate Brainerd Lakes area and kind of that north-central part of the state. As we kind of drift uh, statewide, Eric, uh, anything changed up in the northern part of the state? Yeah, you know, it's a kind of a, a mixed bag. You know, in the far northeastern Minnesota, they certainly had more winter um, this past year, which did have an effect on, on some uh, deer populations up there, and they're still recovering from those hard back-to-back winters here a few years ago. Um, and so it's a little bit more restrictive regulations there. There's more lottery areas, and you even have a Bucks Only um, up by International Falls, a Bucks Only permit area. Um, and then you go to the northwest part of the state, and there we have, um, you know, kind of rebounding um, deer populations there, and um, really want to kind of move populations back down. Um, and so we have quite a few intensive permit areas um, that we have um, available this year, and a lot of public land up in northwestern Minnesota. Folks are looking for some um, different opportunities. Um, they'll be um, be in place up in northwestern Minnesota this year. Southern part of the state, uh, things are a little bit trickier down there. You've got some e- issues down in the southeastern part of the state, but all in all, I think hunters should be in pretty good shape there too. Yep, you know, we certainly have uh, real healthy deer populations in the southeast. We, you know, certainly have concerns with uh, CWD, especially in the wild deer and permit area 603. So we um, have liberal seasons in and around um, that permit area trying to get deer densities down and, and, and sample additional deer and hopefully um, remove the, get the disease out of the wild population. Um, but um, overall, real healthy deer population in southeastern Minnesota and, and more liberal regulations down there. 
southwestern Minnesota, uh, kind of more ag country. Um, you know, there's not as much habitat um, down there, so some populations are having a little tougher time recovering, and so uh, most of those permit areas in southwestern Minnesota are still kind of in the lottery status. And one last thing, Eric, before we let you go, that you guys have really kind of improved on it, really I think is going to help hunters a lot too, and that's the DNR website. Uh, There's a lot of great information. There's an interactive uh, map there now that I think is really interesting, that permit mapping tool that you guys have. uh, That's going to come in handy this year. Yes, that's a really a great tool and, and something that I think all hunters should, should check out. Um, so you can go there and click on a particular permit area that you hunt, and there'll be three options there. There'll be uh, regulations, but then there'll be a detail report, which is like a one-page um, kind of PDF document that provides all kinds of great information on um, harvest history, hunting land, you know, and some manager reports about that deer permit area, so a lot of good information um, describing the area. And then also this year that's new is we have a, a more detailed um, map of the, the permit area that's available as a one-page PDF there as well. And uh, we also have uh, our uh, 2017 deer harvest report, which has got kind of the draw odds um, for the different lotteries that we had for uh, special hunts and, and for the lottery permit areas from last year too, so people can check that out before they apply. And uh, so lots of great information on our, on our DNR website. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that on our website as well. So uh, just go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com and just look for uh, Minnesota DNR regulations and uh, click on that, and we'll have all that information for you as well. Uh, Eric, it's great to talk to you. I, I know it's kind of interesting. I was happy to see these regulations come out and uh, because it seems like to me this summer I've been talking to a lot of people and like, I just haven't seen many deer. And people were worried about that, you know, lingering winter that we had in the spring and what what that would do but I, I think all in all we're in pretty good shape yep and you know we can certainly you know if the winter has more effects than, than we thought it does we can certainly make adjustments um um in, in, for next year or the, or the year after um deer are pretty pretty resilient and are able to bounce back pretty quickly so um we're just making our our best assessment on on uh, what we need to do to control the, the deer population around the state and, and looking forward to a good season this fall that's for sure. Eric Thorson, he is the acting big game program leader for the Minnesota DNR, and I'm sure we'll be talking to Eric a few times leading up to the uh, deer opener and obviously our deer opener special. We'll have him on for that too. Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and uh, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And joining us once again, a good friend of the show, and that is Dr. Michelle Carstensen. Always willing to drop by with some pretty good information. And we want it, we're what, about three weeks out uh, and some change from the deer opener. And there's some things still going on here in the immediate Brainerd-Baxter area with uh, CWD sampling. And uh, I wanted you kind of to weigh in because I, I have had hunters ask me some questions and I thought, well, why not just have you answer them? Because <laughs> you, you, you're obviously uh, pretty well uh, schooled in this field. So what is there any change from last year? Uh, yeah, we do have some changes from last year. So just you know, just a quick look back. Last year we did surveillance in, in the, your area for really the first time since sort of the mid-2000s. So we didn't have a lot of recent baseline data. And the reason we were doing surveillance, you know, particularly in Crow Wing County, was because there was a positive uh, deer farm found there in early uh, 2017. So we wanted to, you know, make sure that there hasn't been infection on the wild deer that surround that farm, or that uh, there has been some long-standing infection there that we didn't know about. And so we uh, set off to do surveillance there with precautionary testing, and we actually collected nearly 8,000 samples last fall, which was great hunter compliance. And happily, we never found anything in the wild. So that allows us to have confidence that the disease isn't established in that area. But since the 
incubation period is up to three years, we want to continue some testing in a smaller area. So we're focusing this fall on about 15 miles around that infected deer farm. So that encompasses only two DPAs, 242 and 247, are going to be the only two deer permit areas where hunters are required on the first two days of the season, which is November 3rd and 4th, to get their deer tested. And this is for all adult deer, so not fawns that will be six months old this, this fall. It will be a year old and, and older than that. And, uh, and to accommodate those hunters, we're going to be stationed at five places uh, throughout those two zones um, and uh, working from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. both days to meet and greet hunters and get some samples and hopefully meet our sampling goals, no problem. You mentioned that incubation period uh, with this disease, and one of the questions hunters have, why for three years? Yeah, and that, that really is driven by the disease itself. It's unfortunately a slow-moving disease, so picking it up early tends to be difficult. Uh, so it's one to three years for a deer to be exposed uh, to the infectious agent, which is called a prion, and then to actually develop clinical signs. So when something takes that long, you can't really just do one year and done because there could be a more recent introduction, and some of the deer in that area, you know, might have been exposed even last year, but the disease was so early in the infection uh, cycle that uh, we really weren't able to pick it up. So we do the surveillance over a three-year period to kind of cover the window and make sure that, you know, our deer are really healthy and we're not missing something early on. Good thing, too, this Brainerd-Merrifield area in which you guys are really focusing on, that has shrunk. For maybe to backtrack a little bit, uh, Michelle, why that area? Was there, there was a deer herd there that had you guys concerned, right? Correct. Yeah, there was a deer farm in the Merrifield area that was found infected with CWD early in 2017. And uh, the, ep- the epidemiological investigation really never pointed to a clear source for how that farm developed the disease. And so that, you know, led us to the risks of was there something on the outside that had been there for a while, um, or was it a recent introduction into this farm and that deer on the outside of these fences, because it isn't double fenced and they can, you know, exchange um, saliva, and uh, was there something that could have spread from the farm to the wild deer? And so that really raised our concerns about um, seeing if this was a risk to the wild deer surrounding that farm and in that broader area. You know, and we talked with Lou Cornicelli last year after the deer season. He was just ecstatic about hunters' cooperation for this thing. You mentioned the sampling success as high as it was. That's got to really make you guys happy that hunters are this concerned about, you know, making sure this disease doesn't spread. Absolutely. I mean, the hunters are great, you know, and uh, so without their cooperation, we we clearly couldn't do this. So, you know, that, that shows that everybody has the common goal of we all want healthy deer, and uh, we can't do this kind of work without our hunters. Um, and, you know, we, we try to make it as convenient as possible by being, you know, strategically located through the zones. As I mentioned, you know, this coming year for 242 and 247, we'll have five stations. And they'll be in Pine River at the Cass County Fairgrounds, uh, the Gull Lake East Public Access in Nisswa, Crosby City Park, Emily uh, Fire Department, and the Brainerd Whipside Rest. And we, we pick these locations so that hunters don't have to travel any more than 20 miles from anywhere in the zone where they might harvest this deer. Um, and then, you know, we have enough staff there uh, to make the process fast. So if hunters come prepared, you know, they can register their deer anywhere they, they normally would, phone, Internet, a big game station, and have that done before they show up would make things quicker. And, uh, you know, position the deer toward the back of the vehicle or tailgate if they have a pickup 
and uh, sort of know where they were hunting because we'll be asking hunters for a little bit of information, including where the deer was taken. And uh, then we'll get them through the, the lane as quick as we can. And hunters this year uh, can check the results online, any hunter. And so we had that change. So the year before, it was only hunters in our CWD management zone in the southeast that had that online hunter check. But this year, we changed it to all hunters across the state that are doing CWD testing can go online and get those results in about uh, 10 to 14 days, just under two weeks. If you're outside of the surveillance zone, is there a way you can get your deer tested there too? Yeah, and so for folks that are just concerned about CWD and, and the potential of consuming venison that might be, you know, infected with the with the, with the prion, uh, they can take samples um, themselves and submit them to the diagnostic lab at the University of Minnesota. We do have some videos on the DNR website that show how to take the samples yourself and provide some detailed instructions for how to handle the sample and then submit it. Overall cost for that is about seventy dollars. Uh, that includes the, the, the lab fees, the testing fees, and the receiving the sample. Um, and there's some other videos up there for folks, too, about caping your deer and quartering uh, that folks should check out. So um, some real new interesting stuff we have up. One of the more polarizing things with all of this is the feeding ban. Some hunters are a little angry about that. Um, some think that you know it's also part of it. Um, that's something that's still in effect here for this year and next year as well, right? Correct. Yeah, the deer feeding ban is, is really an important precautionary measure. So we're not you know, aiming negatively at folks that want to see deer and like to have salt and mineral licks out. But the problem is that it, it does what it's supposed to do, right? It brings deer to that area and attracts them to those sites. So because we're not completely convinced yet, we don't have a problem with this disease in the wild. We certainly don't want to exacerbate the issue by having deer come into contact, contact with each other in these kind of artificial situations and potentially spread it further. So it's a precautionary measure to keep the deer more nationally dispersed in the landscape until we have more confidence that the disease isn't present. And then those restrictions would be lifted and, and folks can go back to, uh, to feeding deer if they so choose or to use the salt mineral block. We're doing surveillance in, in central Minnesota around Meeker County for the same reasons that we're, you know, around the Merrifield situation because there was a farm there as well that was found positive in 2017. And that zone similarly um, has been reduced in scale because we didn't find anything last year. But the most of our effort this year for CWD testing is focused on southeast Minnesota. Nearly all of Zone 3 is going to be included this year um, in testing, and it's because we have the infection in the wild in uh, Fillmore County. We're up to 18 cases now uh, near Preston, uh, Minnesota, and so there appears to be something that's continuing in that area that we're doing a lot of work to try to, uh, to manage early on. Well, we've had some other recent uh, occurrences. There's been a game farm uh, in Winona County that uh, was found positive um, uh, pretty recently, and so we're doing surveillance around that area, precautionary again. And Wisconsin has had a more recent case in Eau Claire County of a sick wild deer that ended up having CWD, and that was roughly 20 miles from the Minnesota border. So that gives us some concern that there might be some movement of deer across the borders and some infection in that area that we weren't aware of. So we have a lot of work going on in southeast Minnesota this year for sure to to assess uh, this disease in that area. This might be a bit of a rogue question, Michelle, but, um, you know, it seems like a lot of these situations are, are always found around game farms. Is there any you know, ideas, any, anything that may be going forward that might just say maybe we need to do away with these game farms or is that something you don't want to go that drastic yet? 
Well, I mean, the, the game farm management is, is done by the Board of Animal Health, so it isn't in, in DNR's wheelhouse. So that uh, the regulation of that industry isn't part of what we do. But DNR has identified uh, game farms as one risk factor uh, for spreading CWD, uh, but it certainly isn't the only one. Uh, we have had, you know, eight farms in Minnesota since 2002 that were found infected with the disease, but we're well aware that the movement of carcasses across state lines from, uh, from hunters that are hunting out of states or out of countries or Canada um, can move this disease as well because there's 25 states and three Canadian provinces now in North America that have found carnivore wasting disease. So our agency has taken a very you know aggressive stance there by basically disallowing any whole carcasses uh, of wild servants to come into Minnesota that aren't properly quartered um, or brain material removed at this amount. Um, and so there's another big risk factor there for how the disease could, could enter Minnesota. So it isn't always just one thing. It could be a multiple uh, number of risks that could bring the disease in. So we try to pay attention to all of them. And that brings up one other question, too, that maybe hunters aren't aware of, and maybe some are, but in, in my case especially, I plan on hunting both Minnesota and Wisconsin this year. What is the process transferring deer back and forth across state lines? Correct, yeah. So, it's you know, this, this change happened a couple of years ago, but uh, folks weren't really potentially paying enough attention. Um, we have had a ban on bringing in, you know, whole carcass, carcasses from known CWD endemic areas in the U.S. already for a decade. But this, the change is that it now says anything from out of Minnesota. So it doesn't look at where the disease was for sure confirmed. It's just outside our borders. You can't bring the whole animal back. You have to bring back animal either in quarters, uh, the long bones to stay in, um, or uh, already packaged venison, um, or uh, um, you know anything that has the brain and spinal column removed. Um, and for taxidermy mounts, you know, they, we want the brain material, of course, out of there because that's really where the biggest risk is. And, and bringing in this disease. And so folks should just plan ahead. So if, uh, if they're going to be hunting in Wisconsin, like you mentioned, you know, quartering the deer is a very simple process. Um, we have, as I mentioned, some new videos up on our website that even show and demonstrate how that can be done. Um, and so those whole quarters could be brought back across the border without any issue and processed, uh, you know, at your home site as you normally might do or, or meat processor if you're choosing. And similarly with, with taxidermy mounts, um, you know, it's, it's a very inexpensive uh, a fee to have a, a, a cape, cape your deer uh, by a taxidermist. Um, also, you can do it yourself. And if those animals are uh, properly taken care of out of state, those heads can be brought back and then finished by a local taxidermist of, of someone's choosing in Minnesota, as long as they're free of brain material. And one last thing, Michelle, uh, and this kind of just popped up here recently, and I hope I get this right. There's some something out there now called EHD. What is that all about? Yeah, that's hemorrhagic disease, so epigenetic hemorrhagic disease. And we, we recently had a detection in the state that happened in a game farm in farm deer um, in Goodhue County. And uh, it's it's a virus that naturally occurs, and it's, it's transmitted by uh, biting midges or gnats. And uh, an interesting thing is that Minnesota has really not been affected by this in recent years or recent decades. Um, but our other neighboring states have reported events uh, in white-tailed deer, particularly that have caused localized mortality um, nearly yearly, but every other year it seems to have bigger outbreaks. And it can kill quite a number of deer in a small area very rapidly, and it tends to be animals found near water. And we've looked for this disease in the wild in Minnesota um, 
quite a few times serologically, taking blood samples from different uh, uh, processes we were doing and screening for the disease. And, and we haven't really ever found it in the wild. And we also don't have hunters or folks afield pointing out that there's wild deer found dead in, in any great numbers, um, individual cases here and there. We always rule out chronic wasted disease and other major diseases. But this is sort of new for Minnesota. And how exactly this farm um, in Goodhue County, you know, got the disease, um, uh, you know, that since, again, they're passed by insects. It seems that if there was insects that were carrying the virus in that area, we should have gotten reports from wild deer, too. And uh, we put the word out, but we haven't had any reports of wild deer found dead in that area. So we're going to continue to, to raise awareness and, and look for any cases that show up. But for now, it seems to be isolated into this game farm and uh, caused mortality. I think six of seven deer um, died rapidly within a three-day period from this virus. So that's something we'll keep an eye on as well. I would think, Michelle, people, if they want more information and want to keep up on all this, the DNR website's the best place for all that. Absolutely. Yeah, the DNR website is up to date with all kinds of information about what's occurring this year for our different disease surveillance efforts. Um, also, the Hunter Regs book does have a listing of all the, the stations we're going to be at for testing this year, information about the hours and the things hunters should be aware of. So those are two great resources to check and uh, stay on top of what's coming up for this fall. There you go. Dr. Michelle Karstensen, a very good friend of Brainerd Outdoors, always coming to the table with some very good information, and uh, we'll definitely keep in touch with her as we get closer to the the uh, firearm season, which is weeks away. Dr. Carstensen, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy. Great stuff, and uh, we look forward to talking to you here real soon, okay? Yep, thanks for having me. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Time for our Hungry Hunters segment here on Brainerd Outdoors. As always, we bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. And uh, Joel, I'm sure people are trying to make room in their freezers right now if they're catching fish and stuff, so... Maybe you got some venison laying around. You've got a pretty good recipe for that this week. Barbecued bourbon venison, and you actually got a really good coleslaw recipe, too. I sure do. I just made it up on the spot right now, so let's see if it works <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, this thing just came off the presses. The ink isn't even dry yet. That's right. Bourbon barbecued venison. So we're going to get some Kaiser rolls or, I guess, any kind of roll that, that you see uh, fit. So we're going to take uh, three pounds of venison stew meat, you know, some of your scraps or chunks or whatever you got laying around. Take about three pounds of that. And we're going to toss that right into our slow cooker. So we're going to want to do this early on in the morning. We add in some onions, a little garlic, cider vinegar, and some Worcestershire sauce. And then to top it off, we're going to add a little bit of bourbon. A little kosher salt, a little cracked pepper. Kind of mix that together a little bit and just let it stew up for you know a couple hours, two, you know, maybe two, three hours, whatever. Add in some bacon, a little bit of ketchup, brown sugar, liquid smoke, cumin, red pepper flakes, Mix it all together again. Again, let it just keep on cooking and get all that juices just really marinating together. And So while we got that cooking, we're just going to keep a nice slow stir on it, keep it on a low or medium, medium low heat, however long you got. While we're at that, we're going to make up our coleslaw. We take some shredded cabbage, red and green, some shredded carrots, add in a little uh, green onions, some mayonnaise, cider vinegar, season it up with some cayenne pepper, celery salt, a little bit of garlic pepper. Mix that together real well. 
We'll let it sit for you know a half hour, an hour or so right before you're gonna eat. And then we're gonna just build up our sandwiches after our venison uh, barbecue venison is nice and kind of almost pull apart delicious. I think it's just gonna fall apart and, and it's so we build our sandwiches up, throw a nice you know hefty portion of of venison on there. A uh, couple things. No, number one, on the barbecue sauces, there's some variations people can do because obviously this is going to come out probably a little bit on the tangy side, I would think. Yeah, with the with the Worcestershire sauce and the cider vinegar, uh, it's going to it's going to be kind of definitely a little tangy. So if you don't like that tanginess, uh, cut back on the on the vinegar a little bit. But you're going to want that vinegar in there while you're cooking it to break down that meat a little bit. So I guess kind of adjust at the end, add a little more ketchup to kind of cut that. Uh, vinegariness out of there and how crazy do you want to get with bourbon well see that's that's where that's as crazy as you want to get as you know start out small you don't want to put too much in there because it's going to take a little while to cook out and go i start with a quarter cup or more and and just kind of work your way up kind of go by taste and well if you want to give it a try head to our website brainerdoutdoorsradio.com click on the recipes tab this recipe and a ton of other ones there for you Bourbon Barbecue Venison, our Hungry Hunter segment for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5. You can uh, stream us live if you're away from your radio or out of town. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you go for that. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also listen on demand there. And, of course, podcasts. We're available on all the podcast networks wherever you download or listen to podcasts. Podcast One, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes. You can download us there and give us a nice uh, rate and review and subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you will find Brainerd Outdoors. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bymert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.